How many was a little more thankful this last week, hopefully? Did anybody even actually think about being more thankful? Thankful, thankful, thankful. I was, um, I kind of ha had an unthankful moment, but then it turned thankful on the airplane just the other day after getting through ministering in uh, where we were ministering and we're flying back and, and I am working on this lesson and my computer crashed. Crashed. I mean, like, goodbye, RIP, crashed, over, gone. And uh, my, my heart dropped, but I was actually working on a document that was backed up. Unfortunately, some of the other major documents, I had gotten sloppy and left them on my desktop. And so now I'm in a little bit of trouble. So, unthankful, hmm, then got thankful. That's just a side note saying if you've got documents on your desktop, don't, don't be like me. Clean them up. Back them up. Don't, don't, you know, life is tough. Life is tough enough without doing crazy things that just add uh, frustration for nothing. Amen? Amen. Why don't we talk tonight about the power of giving? And let me just say, starting off, I am not going to take an offering. I am not going to take an offering, but let's, let's talk about giving. John 3.16. Many people in the world say that this is the most uh, recognizable verse in the Bible to, to many people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, I want to talk just a little bit about John 3.16. Some of it has, uh, has to do with this lesson, and then some of it's just kind of some side, some side thoughts. But in line with this lesson, if God's love for a lost world caused him to give, can we respond any differently? Can we respond any differently? I preached a message many years ago, and it, it was the title of it is not grammatically uh, correct, but the title of the message was, If You Ain't Given, You Ain't Living. If you ain't given, you ain't living. When we look at, uh, when we look at the power of God and what God did, we understand the power of giving, the power of giving. There was a, a man that was given a lecture, and he was a very, very popular lecturer, and so he looked down on the front row, and there was a man there, and he said, uh, sir, how long have you lived? And the man said, 62 years. And then he said, is that how old you are? And the man said, yes. And he said, I did not ask how long you've existed. I asked how long you've lived. There are many people that they may be 50 years old, but they've not really lived for 50 years. There is a major difference in living and existing. And so many people settle to just exist and that is just not what we have to do. 
what we have to do. Let me, let me explain just a little bit about John 3.16 here, and it, it, it flows a little bit into this, and then it helps in some other areas. Also, when you look at a few of the key words in John 3.16, of course, believeth, believing is, is imperative. It's impossible to have eternal life without believing in Jesus Christ. It's absolutely impossible. However, um, a look at everything in the Word of God connected to salvation quickly helps us realize that believing alone is not enough because we see that grace is connected to salvation. I know this is a repeat from some things I've said before, but we know that grace is connected to salvation. We know that faith is. We know that confession is. We know that repentance is. We know that baptism in Jesus' name is. We know the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues is. We also know that endurance is. So when, when people say that, that all you have to do is believe, this is the reason why we believe that belief is essential. But it is not, it does not, um, it does not cause full salvation. We, we believe in dispensations. Dispensations. We're dispensationalists. Well, what is a dispensation? A dispensation is a, is a particular period of time in which God dealt with man concerning sin and salvation. So we need to under, we need to understand this. But when we turn our attention back to belief, of, and speaking of John 3.16, we need to tie to this, and you may just make a note if you're taking notes on John 3.16, you may want to make an arrow and, and run an arrow to Acts 19 and 2. Acts 19 and 2. He said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? I know that you are believers, but have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believe? They said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And so then when you continue in that chapter, you will see what all they did. So believe is a key word in John 3.16. Now gave, the word gave, uh, how do you describe words such as give and gave and giving or, or gift? I have been very blessed. Um, the more I talk to people and the more that I interact with people, I realize just how blessed I've been in my life to have actually uh, had a loving family, had people that supported me in my life and some great, some great friends all of my life. You're, you're, you're very well off if you have people who truly love you. Um, truly care about you. And if you have, if you have family that truly loves you and you have a few friends that truly love you, we're, we're very, very well off just with that. But even if you would find a way to describe, um, giving and gift and all of these things, well, then, then when you realize it's God that's the giver, 
then it takes it even to a greater level. Another key word in John 3.16, I know none of this is in your notes. We'll get to your notes, and, and don't worry about how many blanks we've got. We will fill them out, and I will be shooting to quit at 7.30, unlike last week. Um, and so another key word is should. Should. Should is not shall. Should is not shall. Um, when you're when you're looking at John three sixteen, you see should. Well, you also see that these are just some side notes on this. You also see that in John three fifteen, leading into sixteen, John um, uh, three fifteen, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that what? That whosoever believeth in him should. There, there's a major difference in me saying, I should pray and I shall pray. There, there is a difference in me saying, I should give or I shall give. Major difference in me saying I should allow the fruit of the Spirit. I, I should allow the Spirit to do a work in my life that the fruit would be manifest. And there's a major difference in saying I should do that and I shall do that. You know, I should be nice to him. Well, that that's a whole different message than I shall be nice to him. And so what we must realize in the Word of God is that we want to take the entire message of salvation. But for the, the greatest thing, I mean, we're going to talk about uh, the power of giving and being a giver, but the, the greatest thing is, is God so loved us that, that He took on flesh and He came and literally gave His life for us. And how, how could we even uh, start anywhere else about giving or what we have re received? But why don't we take a look, a closer look at this subject, this biblical subject of giving. Number one, God the giver. God the giver. God gives the seed in Genesis 1. He gives riches and honor in 1 Chronicles 29. He gives strength. In Psalms 144, God gives the rain. In Job 5, God gives health. Jeremiah 30, God gives his spirit. Acts 2, God gives eternal life. Romans 6, God gives grace. 2 Corinthians 12. But then in 1 Corinthians 4 and 7, there is a, um, a statement that really sums it up. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? What hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? It's that phrase that explains it all. What hast thou that thou didst not receive? The, the bottom line is, if it wasn't for God, we wouldn't even be able to get our next breath. I mean, have you ever, have you ever seen anybody that was having some kind of an attack and they could not breathe? Or have you ever been in one of those situations? I mean, we, we realize real quickly how, just how, how little we are, how weak we are without God. 
And he, he's giving us. He is God the giver. But God the giver gave the ultimate gift himself. The giver became the gift. The giver of life became the gift of life. Literally, God in a body. God in a body. Uh, it was interesting when, uh, when Nicodemus was speaking of Jesus and, and what, what did he say? Thou art a teacher come from God. Well, he, he was close, but the truth of the matter was, uh, he was God come to teach. That's, that's what, that's what he was. The giver of life became the gift of life. God in a body, the spirit put on flesh. So now we understand John three sixteen. for the spirit so loved the world. He gave his only begotten flesh. But God from the beginning of time never intended, here's where it turns and we start getting into this picture. He never intended from the beginning of time for his giving to be confined to the heavenlies. Never. God the giver becomes Christ the giver. When we understand this, then it, it brings it in on um, God in Christ. It brings in what he did, how he did it, and how we must continue it. So number two, God in Christ giving continued. God in Christ on this earth, we literally see how giving was his agenda. Giving was his agenda. There's just a few things that are written down. Christ, Jesus Christ lived to give. He lived to give. To the sight, to the blind, he gave sight, lepers cleansing. To the one leper that was thankful, came back and, and was made whole. To the deaf hearing, to the one paralyzed mobility, to the demoniac peace, to the adulterous forgiveness, to the dead life, to the weary rest. And he tells us, ye that are, uh, you know, heavy laden, come and I will give you rest. Instruction to the multitudes, his life for our redemption. God in Christ never intended his giving to start with his spirit and end with his flesh. Let's, let's make sure we understand this before we dive into it and bring it into where we live. God in Christ never intended his giving to start with his spirit and then end with his flesh after he died and was resurrected. We must continue the ministry of giving. We. We must continue the ministry that God started of giving. It is, it is up, it is up to us. Matthew 14, 19. He commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up to heaven, he blessed and break and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. I believe that today in the church, in New Life Fellowship, in this church, in the body of Christ, I believe that there are gifts and helps that have already been blessed and already been broken and, and are waiting now for us to give to the multitudes. We are blessed people. 
Every one of us are blessed people. And life in different ways have broken us. We have been. If, if you haven't been broken in one way or another, uh, you know, just, just ha- keep your faith in God because it's coming. Uh, that's, that's just life. I believe that we are literally now gifts that have been blessed and broken to be able. We need to give to others. You see, there are people that we come in contact with that nobody can reach them like you can. Uh, one, one thing that I would do whenever I was, uh, whenever I was pastoring is, is if whenever I would uh, be counseling with somebody or talking with somebody, and then I would realize what major life-impacting experience they had, if I could match that with someone in the church who has faced that. That's, that's very powerful. There are things that I've learned through reading. There's, there's things I've learned through listening. But I'll tell you the people that I can really minister to, those that are facing things uh, that's rocked their world that rocked my world. I, I, can, I can really minister because I don't need a book. I, I do not need a book at all. Whenever I'm dealing with a, a, you know, a teenager, an older teenager who uh, is standing by the casket of their father, got that. Uh, let, let me at them. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be happy to minister to them. Somebody standing outside and watching everything that they have burned to the ground, let, let, me, let me talk to them. I, I know what that feels like. There are, there are several things. How do we minister? We, we have been blessed and we have been broken in ways. See, if we ever really grab a hold of this, even when we're going through some of our deepest, darkest times, there will be part of our mind that will go to, okay, God, what can I learn through this that's going to be able to be used to help the body of Christ? Now, I know that that's not the easiest thing to do, especially when you're in seasons where you feel like that it's just nothing but incoming, 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 and you're ducking trying to just dodge the bullets. I totally understand that. But we have to understand that we have been blessed and we have been broken just like Jesus blessed the bread and and he broke it and gave it to his disciples. We need to be willing to be blessed and broken, but it's up to us to initiate giving. Amen? So that's why I say if you ain't giving, you ain't living. It's it just, there's no way. You cannot live on a higher level unless you are a giver. Let's, let's take some characteristics of biblical givers. Number one, biblical givers understand giving includes but goes beyond money. It includes, but it goes beyond money. It's like I heard that one man say, uh, uh, you, you know, if the man's hungry... Give him a hamburger before a track. Does that make sense? You, you know, yes, you know, take some money. I mean, it's like, it's the, uh, it's the, uh, it's the 
felt need that is the gateway to the real need. When we, when we meet someone, what is the need they are feeling? The, the felt need is the gateway to the real need. And if the church can ever really become focused on developing an eye sensitivity discernment for felt needs. Well, that's their fault. If they wouldn't have done such and such, then they would, okay, we've missed the point. We've absolutely missed the point. Now, if it's your kid, uh, your child, and, and, or you have authority and you've said don't, 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 and then they, they do, do, and do. Okay. That's, an, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in connection to the people that do not know God. We have to discern when there are felt needs, needs they are feeling, whether it was their fault or not, it doesn't matter. It's a felt need that could be the doorway for the real need. And so biblical givers understand that giving includes but goes beyond money. It involves time and talent, emotions and love. And what we do with our finances and our time says everything about us. If you show me what you're doing with your money and you show me what you're doing with uh, your time and, and, and I show you what I'm doing with my money and I show you what I'm doing with my time, it really doesn't matter what you say. It really doesn't matter what I say. Those are the two things that prove everything, our resources and our time. So we must give first fruits, but we must also give time. And we cannot just throw money at a need. We must get involved in supplying those needs. Many times it's just a whole lot easier to throw $10 at it or $15 at it or $20 and that, and that makes us feel good and, and, and good, fine. That's all fine, well and good. But sometimes people need more than what money can buy. Money can't buy concern. Money can't buy true value. Uh, let me, let me say this about this church. I absolutely love the way this church has dignified helping people who need assistance. You can help people in a manner that destroys their dignity. How you help people is, is, a, is a major, major issue. People need help, but do we, do we have to make them feel like nothing in order to get it. Not, none of us know what tomorrow holds. None of us. Can't get sidetracked there. I'd, I'd probably get off somewhere I don't need to be. Matthew 25, 34 through 37. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was a hunger, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in naked, and you clothed me. These are things I'm hearing about this church all the time. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord. And so then the question is asked, when? When, when was this? Matthew 25, 40, and the king shall answer and say unto them, verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it into one of these, the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Strong churches are built on the word and prayer and fasting. Strong saints are built on the word, prayer, and fasting. Are you ready? Plus. Yes, it's the word. Yes, it's prayer. And yes, it's fasting, 
but it takes more than that. It takes doing something with what the Word has said to do. It takes acting on what the Spirit spoke in our times of prayer and fasting. It's not enough just to hear it. You know, and I believe I've, I've said it here where the Scripture says, Be ye doers of the Word, not hearers only. Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. Then, then it ends with what? Deceiving your own selves. And so that's the reason why I've said for years, some of the most deceived people are the most faithful to church because we can become professional hearers. And so it takes more than prayer and fasting. It takes more than the word. That's obviously the foundation of everything, but it takes giving and it's called the spirit flesh connection. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He, his begotten son, him, he was begotten. His love for man caused him to be begotten. What is our love for man going to cause us to do? How will we change our life? Because of the power of giving. I can tell you why this church is the way it is. And I can tell you if it continues, why it will continue to grow. It's the day in and day out. It's the God connection through prayer and the word. It's people connection through phone calls and cards and emails and texts. Funerals and weddings and showers and songs and sermons and dinners and advice and kind words and Bible studies and Sunday school lessons and hospital visits and church maintenance and, 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 and. That's, that's why it's giving. It's exactly what it is. It's, it's giving. It's not just one thing that, that will, will do all of this. It's, but it is, it's one common principle. And that principle is giving because there's power in giving. So that's why I say we need to pray and we need to fast and we need to get busy doing with uh, something with it on earth. Because if I ain't giving, I ain't living. I'm existing. Now, number two, biblical givers understand that it's more blessed to give than receive. It's more blessed to give than receive. This, this is a key principle. Like, like last week we talked about the key principle of Thanksgiving and, uh, the comment, I made a comment saying, you cannot keep a thankful person down, right? And you cannot keep an unthankful person propped up. You can't. Forget it. You cannot do it. Well, you can't keep a giving person down, and you can't keep a, an ungiving person, a, a closed-fisted person propped up. It's just absolutely impossible. Acts 20, 35, I have showed you all things, all things, how that so laboring, ye ought to support the weak. And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus. He said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, I know, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be on both sides of that. And, and, you know, I'm like, many of you. I, I, I like it when I'm giving. You know, I, I like it whenever I'm giving. I like it when I'm the one that's able to give. I am not the greatest receiver, and I am working on that because that's how the body works. 
We, we need to give, but then we need to be able to receive. But the Bible clearly says it's more blessed to give than to receive. There was a man that, that told me one time, he said, I'm, I am comfortable uh, giving, but I am not comfortable receiving. Another man was talking to me, and, and uh, he did some work for me, and and uh, and I was paying him, and he and he he told me he he said, look, on you know just on on this time, I don't want that this time because I need to feel that feeling that just comes when you give. Periodically, if you can, if you're able to do this, uh, you might be in a drive-through line. Chick-fil-A, wherever, McDonald's, whatever. If you can do this periodically, it's just good to just say, hey, I want to pay for the car behind me. And just pay for it. You know, you, you might get fortunate and they just did, you know, a small order of fries. Or it, you know, or it could be, you know, what you might want to do before you do that is study the rearview mirror and, and make sure there's not six people in there. But just just random things um you might be checking out in the grocery line and and you know you may look at at somebody and if there's a prompting you just you just may want to say hey i want to i want to take care of that too and uh and and i usually say this hey i you know it's been a it's been a while since i've done anything for anybody i'd like to do that for you or just just what just be alert to the opportunity to give. You don't have to know who they are. If, if we can, if we can ever get into a mode of being sensitive, um, you have no idea what, what that will, will do. Givers in your notes, givers experience an inner peace that takers will never know. Givers will experience an inner peace that takers will, will never, never know. Givers live on a higher level. Takers live on an ever-decreasing level. You see, I, I believe that this is very true. In our core, we are either a giver or a taker. In our core. Have you ever dealt with people, there's just no way to please them? I mean, there's just no way. You just, you just can't please them. Those people wear you out. I mean, they wear you down. And God help if you're living with one. I mean, just... I mean, there are some people that I have, that, that I have wanted to look at them and just say, is it even possible to please you? Is it even, is it even possible? I mean, if it was okay to play the lottery and you won the Powerball, would you be mad because you didn't win two of them at the same time? Givers and takers. It's the reason why I say if, if you ain't giving, you ain't living. You just takers cannot have peace. It cannot have peace. Number three in your notes. Biblical givers understand they do all they do as unto the Lord, expecting nothing in return from man. 
this is tough. This is tough. Now, we, you know, we can all act whatever, but listen, this is tough. To live on this level, here it, here it is. Here it is. To live on this level, you don't ever need your name called, ever. Now, whoa. That, that's a big one. That's a big one. We, I mean, we all like to, um, we all like a good compliment. I mean, okay, maybe, maybe there are some people that don't. I like a compliment. I like to compliment people. And I like a compliment if it's, if it's the real thing. Now, if it's just somebody complimenting you because they're trying to get something out of you, no, I don't mean that. But, I, but a real compliment, absolutely. But if we could do everything we do as unto the Lord, easier said than done. If, if we could ever live on a level that we never needed the pastor patting us on the back, ever, uh, Live on a level of giving that we give with our right hand and we do not keep track with our left. I'm talking about giving. This is not easy. This is not easy. You know why it's not easy? Because we're human. We're human. And so we have, we have to work on this. What we have to do is we have to get the why give straight first. We have to deal with motive before action. Why are we doing what we do? Why are we doing it? Are we, are we doing it for somebody because now they owe us? Now, now you owe me. Scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Or, you know, no, that, that doesn't answer the deepest level of giving because it is for him and his kingdom and nothing is too great. And so when the Bible speaks about cast your bread on the water, I like to say, cast your bread on the water and forget it. Forget it. God controls the tide. Cast your bread on the water and forget it. There are people that are held back in what they could be for God and are not being used by God to the level they could be because they're keeping score. Well, I did this and, and this one got the credit or I did this. Absolutely, it's going to happen. All right, listen, getting involved in ministry and being in the ministry of the kingdom is a great place to get your teeth kicked in. A great place. It's a great place to get used. A great, I mean, I don't mean used in a good way. I mean used in a bad way. It is a great place. I mean, isn't it just wonderful when you're involved in children's ministry or whatever, and you're just giving everything you got, and then a parent gets, you know, chews you out, and you're not even getting paid for what you do, or you're involved in youth ministry, or you're this, or you're trying to help here, and it doesn't look right, and somebody else gets the wrong idea there, or you say, yeah, welcome. It's just, it's called human nature in the kingdom of God. And it's not easy to deal with at all. And so we have to get why right. Uh, my mind jumps right now. I think I've got enough time for my mind to jump. Um, I was, I helped clean the church. Uh, I've told the story. I was seven years old when my dad gave me my own hallway to clean at the church. So I've been having something to do around church for years. And uh, so when I was 15, though, I mean, I could have cleaned the whole church by myself whenever I was 15. 
And, but I was mad one Sunday afternoon. I was cleaning the church in between services, and I could hear my friends playing football in front of the church, and I was cleaning the church. And, and I got mad, and I threw the broom into the uh, closet, the, the deal, and like, I like speared the sheetrock. I mean, like it went, the, the broom went through the sheetrock. And uh, so, but there's really no problem because all you had to do then was just adjust something in the closet to hide that hole and, and, and it, was, it was no problem. So I definitely got that worked out before my dad ever saw that. But he was cleaning the church. We were cleaning the church together. And he, uh, he realized that I was uh, quite upset that day. And I remember he stopped me and he said, Terry, he said, now know this, that in a church, there seems to be a handful of people that does everything. Now, I'm, we, we need big handfuls. But this is what he said back then. He said, don't worry about who's not doing anything. Just make sure you're in the handful. Don't get messed up over who's not. Just make sure that you are. When we deal with why, why am I giving? Why am I, I, I'm not doing this so you will pat me on the back. Um, okay, let's move on. This will explain more as we move through this lesson. Number four, biblical givers do not give to be seen. Here it is. This is the big one. Do not give to be seen. We must avoid the to-be-seen devil. We, we must avoid the to-be-seen devil. We see it in Matthew 6 and 1. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them, otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven, Matthew 6 and 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So this takes on many, many forms. This to be seen, this to be seen demon. Um, I was in the last church that I was a part of, there would be times that people would get out of order in worship or whatever. And I usually took care of that. I don't, I don't know how it, it seemed to be, uh, my role that I took care of a lot of that, but it was, it was amazing to me that there would be some people that I'm not talking about when the spirit was moving and everybody was moving and walking forward and coming in front. No, 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 I don't mean that. It's just, there were some people that they just had to get their blessing right in front of the pulpit by themselves. And it's like, it was a major distraction. It, it was a major to be seen deal. And so, you know, I would talk to them and I'd say, you know, I'm so glad that you're, that you're worshiping God and that's great. But now, unless people are moving, I said, you, you know, you're distracting the entire church because that's the, that's the focal point. And so unless everybody is, is flowing, pick the right side or pick the left side and go at it, but don't be in the middle. Well, people that took that well, then hey, they had the right motive. People that did not take that well, they had the wrong motive. It was about being seen. We have to, we have to be very, very careful of that. And now social media has put the to be seen devil on steroids. I mean, absolutely. It's the way, the way people will stage action to be able to, you know, um, uh, post that and, and the retweeting of compliments. 
the retweeting of compliments. It's like, no, hold, hold on, wait a second. So, so you're, so you might say, uh, you, you know, uh, Brother Terry uh, enjoyed whatever, enjoyed the teaching or whatever. Okay, so I'm, so now I'm going to hit retweet and say, thank you, humble. I mean, hit like, hit like, because that's saying thank you, like, but not reach. Does everybody know what he said, how good he said I did? To be seen, to be seen, to be seen. And so we have to be very careful of that. Biblical givers do not do what they do to be seen. Number five, biblical givers understand you get what you give. The biblical principle is sowing and reaping. And, and hey, I know sometimes when people are being bad or, or your kids are being bad, you know, you, you better watch that because you, you know, you're going to reap what you, well, this can be good too. Can absolutely be good. And then second Corinthians nine and six, <coughs> excuse me, helps us with this a little more, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. It's a very basic concept that a 55-gallon drum of seed planted correctly is going to yield more of a crop than a thimble full of seed planted correctly. It's, it's very basic that if we sow sparingly, we're going to reap sparingly. But if we will sow bountifully, we will reap bountifully. There was a, a song that uh, somebody wrote. I don't even remember now who wrote it, but there was some of the lyrics in the song said, I'm learning to determine my blessing. The more I need, the more I need to give. I'm learning to determine my blessing. The, the, the more that, that I need or desire, the more I need to give. So I say, if you need some money, you need to give some to somebody. You say, I, I don't have any. I didn't say a lot. I just said some. You need attention, then give some. Do you need an ear? Then lend one. Do you need a friend? Then be one. One said, I went to find a friend and there were none anywhere, but I went out to be a friend and found friends everywhere. Do you need love? Then, then give love. Because in so doing, you will set into action a law of God in, in our life and God's laws are unchanging. We will reap what we sow. Maybe we should consider changing the, the diet that we give God from scraps to the main thing. Maybe we need to change what, what we are giving. I know that I go back and I, I tell stories about my childhood quite a bit. Uh, but my mom and dad, they were just absolutely incredible. We didn't have a lot of money. I, I didn't realize growing up that we didn't have a lot of money. Um, you know, they didn't pour mouth. They didn't, uh, they just, they just taught us and equipped us and built us. And, but I didn't, I didn't really realize that we didn't have a lot of money because 
many times when we went to the grocery store, there was an extra uh, bag of groceries that, that you know, I, I didn't even catch this growing up. I just, this was just, this was just the lifestyle of the house that I was raised in. And so we'd have our, we'd have groceries that we're going to carry out. And then there'd be another sack of groceries, but that would get dropped off somewhere. Might be uh, elderly people in the church or somebody going through a hard time or, or whatever. Um, and then, and then time went on. And I mean, the stories and stories and stories that oh, through the years that I have heard about my parents uh, has just absolutely been amazing. But interestingly enough, when my dad's health totally crashed, but then uh, it crashed before disability kicked in. There were five men in our local church that went together and every week put so much money in an account so, I, so we could eat. Well, you know, those, those sacks of groceries that over the years, you know, I mean, just... Just somewhat, you, you, the laws of God work. They absolutely work. Number six, biblical givers know the danger of living with a clenched fist. Have you ever, have you ever really thought about the, uh, the, the story of Joseph in prison? Read, read that story and read it slowly and here's what you will find out. Do you know how he, he became connected to the butler and the baker? He saw their countenance fallen. That's what the Bible says. That's it. That's all it took. So Joseph is in prison, and he could have easily looked and said, Well, I guess your countenance is fallen. You're in prison. Welcome. I've been here for how long? Just get used to it. You will. That was, that was not his approach at all. He, he's in prison. He, do, he does not have a clue what all is going on. Has, I mean, the angel has not told him, now look, just go through this a little bit. And then, no, 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 he's just staying focused. And he did not allow the fact that he was in prison shut down his, his lifestyle of giving. And he saw that their countenance was falling, and so he connects with them. And so then you probably know the story that even though after they got out, they, he was forgotten for a while. But how he, the road to him becoming second in command in that nation, was connected to him being able to notice somebody else's countenance fallen while he was in prison, and he still gave of himself to them. Joseph did not allow a mirror of self-pity, but he allowed a magnifying glass to see where he could help somebody else. Number seven, biblical givers never discredit the size of their gift. Biblical givers never discredit the size of their gift. Some people won't give because it's not, please hear this clear. Some people won't give because it's not big enough to make you feel like a big deal if you just give that much to somebody. But we look back at the young boy's lunch. We look back at the widow's cake. We look back at the widow's mite. Isn't that interesting? 
I mean, that, that it's the widow's cake. It's the widow's might. And in Matthew 25, we see how interesting it is that, that who was cast out? It was the one with the least, but they refused to use what they had. The poor are not excused from giving. This was one of the hardest things for me to, uh, one, one of the hardest things for me to do as a pastor was, was talk to single mothers or widows, um, or people that, that went bankrupt or whatever and me still look at them and say, pay your tithes. That was hard. That was tough. But I did it. You know why I did it? Because it's a law of God and I never have a right to suspend the law of God. Ever. We were in the Philippines. We've been in the Philippines many times doing, uh, doing work and, uh, it was time for the offering and they, and the, the people lined up and I mean, this, uh, where we are connected and we, where we do work periodically is in a resettlement village. Um, there used to be a place called Smoky Mountain. And, and the reason why it was called Smoky Mountain, that's where they just dumped all the trash. It was liter- literally mountains of trash. And so these people would dig out in the trash and live in, in, you know, caves in the trash. And so, um, we, years ago we were there and we went to Smoky Mountain and, and, you know, got in those, those trash caves and saw it. Well, some reporters from the United States dropped in over there, embarrassed the government. And so they forced a lot of these people into these resettlement villages. One of the churches that we're connected with is in one of those resettlement villages. So I was preaching there one Sunday. When it's time for the offering, they line up and you've got these poor people and they're, but they're offering, they, they don't even have a coin, but they have a little bit of rice in a, in a uh, little baggie. And, and some give coins and some give uh, a little bit of rice or some give a lot of rice or, or whatever. It, they understand that you never let the, the principle of giving slip out of your life. You, you never, never let it. There was a youth pastor that I heard talking about an event that, that, uh, he did and it ended up, he was with, with the young men of the group and they did foot washing. And, uh, he said at the end of that, it turned to where all of the young men were thanking him for what he meant to them and was, and was, you know, talking about this story and that story and what he had done. And he, he said, he said the interesting thing was, was everything they said was something that anybody could have done. He said, there was not one thing that they said about me, these life changing things that I did. He said, there was not one thing that, that anybody could not have done. He, he said it was just literally taking the time and, and being a giver. So that's why I say, if you ain't giving, you ain't living. There's power in giving. 
There's power in giving. God made the sun in your notes. It gives. God made the moon. It gives. God made the stars. They give. God made the air. It gives. God made the clouds. They give. God made the earth. It gives. God made the sea. It gives. God made the trees. They give. God made the flowers. They give. God made man. He, question mark. It's, it's up to you. It's up to me. God, God's creation, God created in a way that his creation would give. And so his creation would give to help his creation. But now we are God's crowning creation. So what kind of a giver are we going to be? So in the last uh, two minutes that I have, let me bring it down to a decision time. And I pray that you'll make the right decision and be a giver, not a taker. But let's bring it right into our world. Are you ready for it? And here it is. Let's end with the big challenge. It's the home challenge. Because what we really are, we are at home and giving begins at home. It begins at home. We learn to be a giver at home by how we give of ourselves to our spouses, to our parents, to our children, and to our siblings or anyone else in our house. You say, well, you know, preacher, uh, it was, it was kind of okay what you had to say, but now, now you just went crazy. Now, now you just absolutely went crazy. No, what we are, we are at home. What you are, you are at home. It, I, could, I could come on this church I could come on this campus and I could do all kinds of things. But if I'm not a giver at home, then in my heart, I am not a giver. What we are, we are at home. And so here's what happens when we learn at home to be a giver. When we learn at home to to give to the people that are in our house, then we allow our giving to extend to New Life Fellowship, in particular the rest of the kingdom of, of God in, in general. Uh, you get involved. Everybody in a church should be involved in at least one ministry in that church everybody. There's different ministries. You know more about the ministries of this church than I do, but I'm learning as fast as I can, so I'll know. But everybody needs to be involved in a ministry of the church. Everybody. It could be the prayer ministry. It could be encouragement ministry. You, you could just say, uh, it's going to be my ministry that I, when church is over on Sunday, I'm not going to see how fast I can get out. I'm going to see how many hands I can shake. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet somebody that I don't know their name. I'm going to look and see if there is a guest around here that is not a member of New that, That's going to be my ministry. I'll get involved in a ministry when I know there's a need somewhere, but I'm not going to wait for somebody else to give me an opportunity to give here. I'll look around here and I'll give myself. I'll, I'll be a praiser. I will worship. I will come in to give praise to God, to set an atmosphere. I, I will give. I will do that. I will give myself to people. I'll do it. I'll be sensitive. I'll, I'll be sensitive. And if, if the Spirit of God uh, moves on me and, 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 and I'll get to where I can tell if, if God's saying slip $20 to that one or slip t- 10 to that one or, or a fatherless kid that, that is here going by, looking them in the eye, shaking their hands, saying, look, you hang in there. God's, God's got you. We're here for you. This church loves you. 
I mean, listen, we can be givers, but we've got to focus on it. James 1.27, it's not in your notes, but here's what it says. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. I can tell you, every one of us need to start thinking about how we are answering James 1.27 in connection with the fatherless and the widows, the widows indeed that do not have family members in the church, obviously, but the fatherless and the widows and righteousness. James one twenty seven is very, very strong on that. My challenge to you tonight is, is understand the power of giving. Do not, do not even, don't, don't even think about what's in it for me. Change that and start thinking and acting what's in it for thee. It's not what's in it for me. It's what's in it for thee. Because when we start operating like this, we step into the greatest dimension, and that is the power. Uh, it's the concepts of the kingdom of God and the economy of God. Uh, it, where, where it deals with our spirit, our soul, and our body. It's everything. It's the kingdom of God. We do not have to live on a low level. There's too many people living on a lower level, and we do not have to because we're kingdom people. We're kingdom people. So we don't look to the left and the right. We're pilgrims and strangers. We're not homesteading here. We're not looking to the laws of this land as our ultimate law. We look to a greater law. And when we allow, when we say, I will not be a taker, I will be a giver, I will become sensitive to how I can even become a greater giver, your life will.